Well, again, happy Monday to you. I'm so glad you're here with us today. Um, today is the beginning, well, yesterday, Palm Sunday, was the beginning of Holy Week or Passion Week, and it's, it's an important time for us as Christians. And, and I know um, some of us come from traditions that, that lean into what we call Holy Week or Passion Week, and others, others maybe not, but we, we're all familiar with with, uh, with, with Good Friday and what comes after that, Easter Sunday. And so we all know that, that, that this week is an opportunity for us, an invitation for us uh, to, be, to, uh, to be leaning into um, the, the story of Jesus in his final days. And that's what we're going to do this morning. And my invitation, which I'll talk more about later, um, we want to join together all week long. And there will be an opportunity for us to do that. Um, if you have a Bible with you, um, open up to John chapter 12 this morning. Uh, take out your phone and, and, and open your Bible app. Um, John chapter 12 is where we'll be this morning. Um, John 12 offers us two stories, two different pictures of devotion, two different pictures of interaction with Jesus. There's some similarities and there are some important, some important key differences, however. First, we're going to start with the Palm Sunday narrative. Okay, so John chapter 12 starting at verse 12. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. And they shouted, praise God, or some translations say, Hosanna, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. So a couple of things I want to point out, first of all, about this Narrative: People, many people came to see Jesus as he was riding on a donkey entering into Jerusalem. You know, they were impressed um, by his rising of Lazarus. Uh, they were now convinced that Jesus was powerful, that um, many dared to believe that he was, in fact, the Messiah. And in fact, the, the other accounts of, uh, of this story, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, the crowd addresses Jesus as son of David, a very uh, messianic title for sure. Now, I'm going to spend some time in another story in John 12. So if we were to, to, to go back a little bit. In fact, this was the evening before Palm Sunday. Okay, This is on Saturday evening, starting at uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Six days before Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. Now, dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with its fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray Jesus, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. 
And Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Here we see another picture of devotion to Jesus. Now Mary broke all kinds of cultural norms in this situation. She was sitting at Jesus' feet, a place normally reserved for men in that time and in that place. Um, she wasn't helping with the meal prep. Her sister was, as we know Martha was, was uh, all about the details and the preparations. Not Mary, she was at Jesus' feet. That was a risky place to be, I think, right? She was displaying this bold, beautiful, extravagant, and I will say even wasteful worship, right? She took this, this expensive perfume in this jar, which you guys, there was, there was no cap on the jar. You couldn't replace the cap. And really the only way to get it out was to break the jar and then use it all. And so this one-time use thing, this very expensive perfume, is what she offered Jesus in that time. She was all in for Jesus. There's a lot going on in these interactions with, with Jesus. We see some important differences with how the Palm Sunday crowd reacted to Jesus and how Mary reacts to Jesus. And I want us to take now a closer look at each of these texts. First Palm Sunday crowd, back on Sunday. Their interactions with Jesus would suggest, you guys, that, that their, expecta their expectations of the Messiah were maybe a little off target. Yes, they had um, devotion for the king. They had plenty of, of fervor and excitement about Jesus, and that's, um, that's to be commended, but I think their expectations of, of what a Messiah is was a little off. They expected a king who would save them from their oppressors. And how do we know this? Well, they use the word Hosanna, right? Hosanna is often thought of as a, as a declaration of praise, and, and it came to become that. But really that word, if, if, if you look at the literal translation, it means, please save us now. Please save us now, right? And we know, historically, Israel was, in, was, was subject to the, the oppression of, of the Romans at that time. Second thing, here's how we know that, that um, maybe their, their expectations of the Messiah was a little off. There's a clue in verse 34, if you were to go a little further in John chapter 12, there's a, in, in verse 34, Jesus had just been talking to the crowd. He's been talking about the death he's going to die. And the crowd, you can see, is a little bit confused here. They say, um, we understood from Scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say that the Son of Man will die? Just who is this Son of Man anyway? Right? They're a little bit confused. And also in, in Luke chapter 19, uh, this, this, these, this other version of, uh, of these events, of this Palm Sunday narrative, um, Luke records these words. But as Jesus came closer to Jerusalem, he saw the city ahead and he began to weep. And he says, how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace but now it's too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Jesus goes on to say, your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. So Jesus is calling it out. He's, he knows the heart of, of the masses 
And he says, you don't, you don't quite get it. And a fourth reason why I think that, that the, uh, the Palm Sunday crowd missed it in, are in the symbols that they chose, the symbol that they chose. The crowd chose to use palm branches. And, and historically, palm branches were, were a symbol of, of military victory. Whereas Jesus, he chose a symbol too, didn't he? He chose the symbol of a donkey, a symbol of humility, uh, uh, communicating um, meekness. He was saying something important about the true nature of the kingdom of God. Now let's take a closer look again at the story of Mary anointing Jesus' feet. You know, anointing was used um, to dedicate a person, usually, uh, usually a king and usually dedicated for a purpose. Anointing was used as an act of devotion. Anointing was also used as an act of hospitality. And Mary had, I think, all this in mind when she takes out the jar and anoints Jesus' feet. You know, with anointing, we, we see Mary's understanding of who Christ really is. We see that she knows that he is a king deserving of anointing. I think we also see that she understands that he is a servant king. He, she um, anoints his feet, his feet, in this beautiful foreshadowing of, of Jesus' own action with his disciples a couple days later when he washes his disciples' feet. Mary understands that, that Jesus is a king and that he's a servant king. And then we see in verse 7, Jesus names it. He says, she did this to prepare me for my burial. And so, so what's so different about Mary and, and her devotion with, than, than the Palm Sunday crowds? Well, the crowd, they, they didn't know him. Some did, but most didn't. Some saw him raise Lazarus from the dead, but most didn't. They'd heard about this miracle. They wanted kingly power. They saw it. They, they were correct to identify that that Jesus possessed divine power, but they just misunderstood how Jesus would, would wield that power. Their messianic expectations included military and political victory. Whereas Mary, she knew Jesus. She was friends with Jesus. She was with Jesus. She knew him as a friend. She had been paying attention to. She understood that Jesus was not only a king, but a servant king. So what? What does that mean for us? Well, a couple questions that I want to ask us, and these are meant to help us take, take an honest look at our own relationship with Jesus on this beginning of Holy Week. And these questions um, are meant to just evoke some self-reflection. Are, are we, like the Palm Sunday crowd, are we trying to fit Jesus into our box? Are we, in our relationship with Jesus, is it based primarily on the hope that he'll defend or the hope that he'll protect us, even protect us from political, protect our political interests? Are we wanting Jesus to simply come and, and take us away, take us out of this troubled world? Or, like Mary, do we sincerely just want this fellowship with Jesus, loving him for who he really is? Will we follow him even when it's hard? Will we embrace that the way of peace is through humility, self-sacrifice, and meekness? Will we, like Mary, show risky devotion 
And is our worship of Jesus extravagant, even wasteful? Let's pursue intimacy with Jesus like this. Let's let's know him like a friend. Let's spend time with him. Let's go all in for him in wasteful worship. Well, I want to invite you to a journey that's that's really all week meant to be all week long, and and we're calling it the um, the journey through Passion Week. And there's a couple ways I want to invite you all to to participate this week. First of all, we're we're going to have special focus on all of our spiritual formation programming um, all week long. So tomorrow, prayer chapel. Uh, tomorrow evening at Oasis Worship Night. Um, Wednesday at prayer chapel, not Friday. Wednesday is prayer chapel. We're not here Friday, okay? So praise chapel is happening Wednesday. Um, I'll be leading a Journey Through Passion Week alternative chapel on Thursday in Carousel 2106. would invite you to join me for that. Also, I want to invite you to uh, a YouVersion group reading plan, okay? So that gives us an opportunity to join together with other staff and faculty and students from UNW um, in this sort of week-long collection of uh, daily audio meditations. Um, we, can access all, we can all access those on our phone um, through the Bible app. And these sessions, they're really um, uh, meant to immerse you right into the story of Holy Week. And uh, in fact, um, we're going to put up a QR code at the very end of chapel today that will give you access to that uh, group reading plan. We'd encourage you to, to join us all week long for that. And actually, with the rest of our time this morning, um, we're going we're gonna to listen to one of those, to the first day of those audio recordings. Um, and again, it's, it's meant to just put us into that narrative of, of, uh, of the Palm Sunday story. And so let's listen to this. This is about 15 minutes. So I'd invite you just to get comfortable, even maybe close your eyes and, and just visualize yourself in the story. Welcome to this Abide Meditation. As we enter Passion Week, you will find the daily meditations to be a bit different than what you're used to. We will be taking you on a journey through significant events in that week. The story of Easter in Scripture gives us a rare moment to explore and meditate on the thoughts, feelings, and reactions of many people in the first century church, including Jesus himself. The different gospel narratives give us a full picture of those days, beginning with the breathtaking triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and leading to his death, burial, and resurrection just days later. You will become a participant in such moments as the Last Supper with Jesus and his disciples, an observer in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus sweated drops of blood. You will walk with the crowd to the courtyard of the chief priest and then on to Pilate's headquarters. You will watch as Peter denies Jesus and the thief on the cross asks to be remembered by Jesus. It won't be easy to hear, but the hope of Easter will be ever before us. We hope you will join us this week for what will most certainly be an extraordinary and life-changing experience.
arrive in Jerusalem in time for the Passover celebration. You have spent days walking with your family and several close friends. You're filthy, dusty. Your feet are burning. You couldn't sleep last night. You're not sure whether it's from the journey or something else. You climb up to the top of the Mount of Olives to watch the morning sun slowly bring light to the city of David. But more than the sun bringing light to the city, you are secretly hoping it brings light to your soul too. Hoping for peace, hoping for salvation. You are hoping for hope. The sun is at your back as you look west, across the valley to the beautiful Eastern Gate. The morning sun starts to glisten off Herod's temple as you look down over the city. You see priests walking through the courtyard far below, going about their daily routine and rituals. Vendors and money changers setting up their tables Families starting to arrive in the early morning before the crowds of Passover. Looking down over the city, you close your eyes in prayer as the week begins. You whisper the Shema prayer from Deuteronomy 6, just as countless generations of your family have done before you since the exile. Hear Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of our God and his glorious kingdom forever and ever. Let the words that God commands to me be in my heart. Help me teach his words diligently to my children, family, and friends. Help me speak of them when I am at home and when I walk along the way when I lie down, and when I rise up. Amen and amen. Keep your eyes closed for another moment as you reflect on the Lord your God. You open your eyes slowly and softly, squinting. You look down the path and see two men walking up towards you walking with a donkey and a colt in tow. And you recognize them. They are clearly the disciples of a rabbi. You greet them as they pass. Where are you going with the donkey and the colt so early this morning? You ask. Our rabbi told us to go into town and get it for him. He says he needs them this morning. What's your rabbi's name? You ask. Rabbi Jesus. Rabbi Jesus, they respond. A chill runs down your spine. You've heard of this rabbi, of his teachings, his miracles, his message of hope, forgiveness, love, and mercy. Some are saying he could be the Messiah. Could he be the one? 
The king? Will you get a chance to see him this week? Oh, the questions keep shooting through your mind. What if he is the one? How will you feel seeing him? What, what will you say to him if he stops? For several moments, your mind drifts towards thoughts of seeing Jesus. What do you want to say to him when you see him? Losing track of time and your thoughts, you are suddenly startled by a crowd coming up over the Mount of Olives behind you, walking up from the city of Bethany and Bethpage. You recognize the two men that passed you before. Now they have 10 other men with them, 12 in all, and a man is with them, riding the donkey they have found. Is that him? Wait, this scene looks familiar. Yes, you remember your father and grandfather telling you this story. It's from the prophet Zechariah. He said a king is coming. And he will be humble. He will be riding on a donkey and colt. And here it is. Your heart is pounding. As he passes, he looks down at you. Through you. His eyes. Piercing your soul. You can't breathe. You can't speak. He and his followers move on in silence. Uh, why didn't you say anything to him? He stared right at you. You've dreamed of this moment since you were a child and now you've missed it. What would you have said to him if you had the courage? You take a moment and imagine what you would tell him if you had the chance again. You slowly stand and follow them into the city. How can you not? Walking along the rocky path, you approach the eastern gate of Jerusalem. Many people have seen him coming spread their cloaks on the road. Others put down palm branches, which they cut from trees. Some people walk ahead of the rabbi, and others, like you, follow behind. But everyone is shouting, hooray for the son of David. God bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hooray for God in heaven. Suddenly, a stranger grabs your arm from behind. He asks you, who can this be? Who is he? Is he the rabbi Jesus? The prophet from Nazareth in Galilee? You freeze for a moment. Do you even know yourself who he is? You follow Jesus and his disciples further into the city, towards the temple. He leaves the crowds behind as he enters the temple court. 
You see him stop and slowly climb off the donkey. He is whispering, murmuring. You can't hear him, so you move closer. You see tears in his eyes as he looks into the courtyard. No one recognizes him. No one stops. As he looks at the priests, the vendors, the money changers, he begins to cry. You hear him whisper a prayer for those around him. He says, How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you to the ground. And your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. You feel his words pierce your own heart. Are you standing in the presence of the Messiah, the Son of God? Close your eyes in prayer as you consider being in the very presence of God. You watch as Jesus climbs back on the donkey. It's already late. So he leaves the courtyard through the east gate and heads back out to the town of Bethany with the 12 men to lodge there for the night. I can't believe what you just witnessed. You know today will be a day you will never forget. As you walk back in the dark to your family, you are already mentally making plans to wake up early and wait for Jesus to come back into the city again tomorrow morning. You softly whisper the Shema again as you watch Jesus leave. Here, Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Blessed be the name of our God in his glorious kingdom forever and ever. But the words that God commands to me be in my heart. Help me teach his words diligently to my children, family, and friends. Help me speak of them when I am at home and when I walk along the way, when I lie down, and when I rise up. And amen. You can't wait.
to rise up in the morning to see what God will bring. You have a feeling your life will never be the same and you're ready for the change. You've been secretly aching for change. Maybe, oh, just maybe this rabbi is bringing some change, real transformation. You saw it in his eyes today. Maybe you will see it tomorrow too. You know you will be awake all night waiting for the dawn when you can see him again. Let me pray as we close. Lord God, don't let me miss your work in my life. Don't let me miss your work in the world around me. You are the Messiah, the Redeemer, the pure and spotless Lamb. The people lining the streets on Palm Sunday revered you that day. But we know that those Hosannas soon turn to curses. Oh, Lord, keep curses from my lips. When I am weak, make me strong in the power of your spirit. May you always be celebrated as the king of my life. And I pray this in your powerful name.